Welcome everybody to Two Guys One Dice Cup. I am reliably informed this is episode 28 and is entitled Noble Causes. Uh, I am Al Goldeneye Unicorn and I am 100% sure on the other end of this microphone is... Phil from Arash's Cairns. Yes, thanks Phil. I'm very, very much appreciative that you're there again, um, especially especially on an episode like this one is. Uh, recently, very, very recently, the Scottish Blood Bowl community was um, shocked to its very foundation uh, with the sudden death of our, our, our captain and great leader of our community, David Miller, who... Um, Many of you in the community might know as the Kilted Kiwi, or if you're even even older, his original NAF name was Don Shula. Uh, David, I was my best friend and a friend of nearly 20 years, and I know that he has touched uh, a lot of people in the community in a good way. <laughs> he would laugh at that one. <laughs> yes, he, yes, he would. <laughs> <laughs> he would himself over that one. Don't edit that. Don't edit that. He will. He would love that. Um, but David's presence <laughs> in the Scottish community will never, ever be filled. And I know that his standing in the international blood goal, blood bowl community as well, um, will mean that a great, a great many people will, will feel his loss in the years moving forward. Um, it. A lot more could be said about David, but you know, now's not the time or the place. Um, but we wanted community to know uh, through through this podcast that we miss him greatly, and he's a man that was much loved uh, and is very much an irreplaceable piece of my life and and the Blood Bowl community. Yeah. I think that that's it, right there. He was uh, well loved, well loved, great guy. Taking that step forward, coaches. A message that is important is: if you're going to play some games with your friends, go and play those games as soon as you can, because you never know what the dice are going to roll um, and what life is going to what life is going to do next. So. If you get the chance to play a game, play the damn game. And on that note, if you can't guess from the title, we have got the absolute luxury of talking about the Imperial Nobility team in Section 3 of Rookie Coaches. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I, I found this one a little bit difficult. But, uh, oh, um, yeah. look, my, my mindset isn't the best at the moment, but I am pretty sure I have got this way wrong. However, I don't think I've got it as wrong as a girl with sprint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I am. Um, I really oh, hope. Dear. I really hope not. Um, <laughs> but let's get cracking, listeners. Uh, but remember, play those games and play them now. Uh, so, talk about games on the games front, Phil. What have you managed to um, accomplish game-wise since we uh, I, since we we recorded I'm... last? I don't think I've played much. Uh, I've had a couple of games online. Um, I think I was about to play Space Gandalf last time we spoke um, on Fumble. 
Um, and I think that was a draw from memory, a nil-nil. Uh, he was playing Dwarfs and I was playing uh, Tomb Kings. Um, and that's in the Snail Cup, which is a, a tournament that we're running um, in the Scottish community, one, uh, one game a month. Was that my last one before? Yeah, I so I also played um, a game against uh, another Philip, uh, although spelt with uh, um, in a in a different way. Uh, he's uh, he's another guy from our um, sort of down the Edinburgh kind of way. Um, yeah, I played his high elves with my tomb kings, and mother of Christ, I got fucked. <laughs> I was uh, I was 3-0 down by the end of the first half. Uh so uh it was just awful. Um that's, uh That's a really big loss for you, Phil. You haven't had one of those for a long, long, long time. I scored I scored in the second half and it it didn't get any worse than that. So it was three three one in the end. Um but yeah, there was a, a bunch of things a bunch of things happened which were kind of Pivotal to to it going wrong. Um, the kickoff uh, uh, result. No, sorry, the weather was uh, blizzard. So I mean, I'm not that I'm, I'm going to be playing a passing game unless I absolutely have to with uh, with Team Kings. Uh, so this it maybe affected him a little bit more on that front than me, but it certainly made uh, my team slower because I wasn't. I definitely wasn't making any go for it. Or rushes uh, as a result. The first kickoff was um, no, it was um, officious ref, um, and despite me having more dedicated fans, I ended up with getting a player off straight away. Uh, so I'm on my defence. Um, so he's attacking me. I got a player sent off. He got a guy stunned. So like I'm I'm already down a player. Um, I I I had a good opportunity. I'd taken a dirty player um, skeleton as a an extra player. Um, so that was as a, a mercenary or whatever you want to call it. And um, so that was even with the guy getting sent off. That was me on. I still had twelve players because I had um, thirteen players including this mark. Um, and the first foul I made, I broke armor and stunned him, but I rolled double two and he got sent off. No, <laughs> that was it. That was in my turn one, so I was already two players down at this point. Uh, I put up a pretty valiant attempt at stopping him from scoring, uh, but it went to um, like um, I think it was maybe his turn five, and he had to score or. It, I'd made it hard, uh, so he needed to score, mm-hmm. and then I was going into that thinking, right, okay, um, this 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 is fine. I've I've still got eleven players. I can probably manage. I think I'd knocked out a couple of his guys. He only had eleven. Um, he was going to be playing with less players, um, but then like all sorts of things started kind of stacking up at that point. Uh, I think the ball ended up um he had kick on a player, ended up going quite deep on purpose. 
Uh, I'd set up so I could manage that, but then I failed the pickup. He'd managed to get folk round and he waltzed in and scored. And then I thought, fine, it's going to be 2 0 at the end of the half. I've got two turns to uh, to score. Um, I can do that if the ball ends up in a reasonable position. I can probably do that. Uh, did I not end up uh, with it being given him an extra turn? So yeah, I'm like, right, that's fine. So three, uh, three turns is, makes it easier for me. Couldn't get the ball forward, couldn't score. I think he managed to nick it off me and bullshit his way into to score again. So that was three nil. So I'm thinking, oh for God's sake! And I, I'd started to kind of chip away some of his players at this point, but it was it was too little, too late, uh, yeah. and I managed to smash my way through the second half and score. Um, I think on a on a normal day, I could possibly have got a draw out of that, uh, mm -hmm. but it just wasn't going to happen. And uh, I mean, he played really well, you know. Like, let's take anything away from him; he, he knows what he's doing, and he's a he's a good good player. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, there was there was some there was a few key things that happened. I don't think I played particularly badly. I misclicked and put a guy. In. He left me with an opportunity to surf one of his players, and I misclicked. On a square and put the I blocked my my own surf, typically. So I had to make yeah. another roll, and then couldn't get a um, uh, to push somebody out of the way before I could do it, and then couldn't get the second assist in as a result, uh, which meant I was doing it on one dice. I had to re-roll, and all I needed to do was uh, push him out, obviously, um, oh. and that could have removed a blodger from uh, from the game. Uh, but I, I sculled it twice, so it was just like fuck, fuck this noise. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't a great game from my side, but it was still an enjoyable game in general. Um, so that, that's the Blood Bowl. The only other game I've played uh, was me and Hipster Potter cracked out the uh, uh, armies for uh, our first uh, Age of Sigmar game. Uh, ah. Yeah, I saw the pictures of this. So, um, yeah, you guys have been messaging, but I haven't haven't been with the with what you've been saying. So, what's what's the story? So we went with a thousand points each. Um, I think it, what what was good about it was we both had fully painted armies, and we both had uh, we had a fully scenery painted scenery as well. So the whole thing looked like a proper game. Which, I mean, I have. I'm not a fast painter. Um, Ross is, uh, but uh, <laughs> but I'm not. So it was nice to just have a to play a game with a fully painted army. Um, so a thousand points was good. Uh, he was running uh, Night Haunt, and I was running uh, Maggotkin. Um, so Nurgle, and um, like initially when I when when he showed, I knew he was gonna have like loads of bodies because you could easily do that with with a night haunt, haunt army and i think he had like 50 chain rasps um 10 things with big scythes a couple of uh, a thing of spirit hosts and this leader guy so he had like he had bodies on me i had uh 20 plague bearers um a spoilpox scrivener uh a pox bringer and uh an exalted greater demon of Nurgle. Um so he, he had bodies on me. Um 
So looking across the table, I'm like, oh, fucking hell, if I can't chip away at this uh, pretty quickly, I'm just going to get sort of bogged down. And he, the first couple of turns felt like that. He got onto the, he won priority, he got onto the objectives quickest. So he had, he won all three objectives the first round because Nurgle are slow as fuck. Um, and I couldn't get off anything that I, I needed to, like, failed all my, uh, uh, casts for spells and stuff like that. Um, we managed to kind of get to uh, into turn two. I started bogging him down. I managed to get a group of my plague bearers in, and they started chipping away. And um, disease points, um, or um, that are are allocated by rolling sixes on hits with uh, with Magikin models. And by proximity to them as well, are ace. Like if you, and then they allow you to kind of chip extra wounds off or mortal wounds at the end of a, a um, at the end of a round. Oh yeah, so it sounds end... sounds like the rule that old Warhammer Forty Thousand Nurgle used to have, like cloud of flies. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it was because cloud of fly, uh, flies currently is uh, negatives to hit and stuff like that. I can't remember what. Uh, the previous oh, rules were yeah. for Warhammer Fantasy. Back, back in the day, yeah, but, sort of fourth, fifth edition, yeah. that was a thing. But yeah, it was good, um, and that started to take its toll. Um, sort of second and third turn, uh, but I mean, the end of this third turn, I think I was, I think he was five, um, five uh, points, and I was four. Um. And but then the the tables turned. I got a summons in uh, as some nerglings, camped them on an objective that I'd cleared, or that Ross had maybe kind of foolishly cleared himself by charging my uh, exalted demon. Um, and I just went through them pretty much in a turn. Um, camped the nerglings on one objective and started getting points off that. Cleared another one. He managed to get a, a half of his. Uh, 30 man uh, squad back with one of the rules that the Night Haunt have. Uh, but then I cleared them off in a turn as well. So we got to like turn four, and I, it was a case of he just had the spirit hosts on, on one objective, and I wiped them out, and that made it kind of mathematically impossible for him to even draw at that point, which was, which was fun in terms of uh, it was good. It was good getting a game. Uh, it was good playing with the painted army. It was good learning the mechanics of the armies because neither of us had played them before. And um, I know we missed loads of stuff. Like we, uh, there was like battle tactics that you're supposed to issue every turn, and I, I we I knew there was a mechanic for that, but we couldn't find it when we were look, uh, flicking through the rules and stuff. Like that. I found it as soon as I sat down later on and opened the book, but. Uh, uh, we uh, so we missed out on that, but neither of us were doing it, so it didn't really have a massive uh, switch on us. And then there was a couple of things he'd missed his battle traits as well. So he would have had a ward save. I did ask him at the time, uh, but he he, uh, he said uh, he didn't, and I was like, uh, and and when he checked later, he did have a six up ward save, which although isn't great, it would would have potentially saved him the odd one here or there. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, no, it was a great, it was a good game, and it's just kind of left us both kind of wanting to play more, which is good. Hopefully, yeah. we'll get Gordon in next time. 
possibly even yourself. Yeah, I mean, Age of Sigmar is not something I've got miniatures for, but um, that's why you've got friends that have other interests you um, borrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or if you've got an old Warhammer army, um, I actually nine don't. times out of ten, that'll work. That's bizarre. But, um, Move them all yeah, over. Moved them off years ago. But uh, yeah, one of us would have easy have a yeah. an army that you could use. Um, Gordon's probably got ten. Yeah, uh, probably done. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think uh, it, it was good to get uh, to get a game like that and uh, have a chat. And um, it, I think Gordon would have been there if he if he hadn't been so busy kind of putting the finishing touches to his house and uh, sorting things out so he can move in. Uh, but yeah. I hopefully we'll get another game arranged soon. How about yourself? What have you been up to? Yeah, well, I've managed to be pretty busy in terms of gameplay. Again, all bolt action focused at the moment. Um, I got to attend a well, it's quite a unique style of tournament. It was in a town called Forfar, which is uh, north of the north of Scotland, but not as far north as Aberdeen, uh, and the is it in Angus? Yeah, it's in Angus. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just a little bit further north than Dundee. Yeah, and this event is run by the same gaming club that organise um, Bridey Bowl in mm. Arbroath. Uh, and what made this event unique was that going there, um, we didn't have to take any armies. We didn't have to take any miniatures. All we had to do was take our core rulebook and dice and templates, stuff that we needed to game, because they supplied all the tables, all the scenery, and they had all the armies on the table preset, fully painted army lists with, with that matched the table. Uh, there were scheduled to be 20 players there. We had a couple of COVID dropouts, which was you know always a shame at the... Yeah. At the option, you know, at the, at the event, um, and the idea behind it was that you were, you know, you had to think on your feet. You're going to be playing armies that you might never have played before, uh, and a, you know, and units that you've never used before. Because what they had done at the Angus War Games Club was that every table had a theme. So the three games I played, or the, the three tables I played on, um, was a Western Desert table to start with. So there was okay. a, there was an Eighth Army, British Eighth Army, against a German Africa Corps army. A, on on a desert table, <laughs> it was so cool. My um, opponent Aiden, when we got to the table, we hadn't played each other for a, a number of years, even before COVID, and he's a he's an old in the tooth gamer likes his historical stuff. So he was very much looking at the table thinking, yeah, this is this is my cup of tea. I really like this. Um, whereas myself, you know, he knows I'm a competitive gamer for bolt action, but I'm looking at it thinking, okay, these armies are totally outside my comfort zone, but I know how to play bolt action, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get stuck in. Uh, and I'm not gonna bore anybody with the, the gameplay of it, but you know, Africa Core versus Eighth Army on a desert table. Um, you know, with with because when you know, as I said to Aiden, it's like, oh, do you want to roll a dice to choose army? 
and he's just looking at the list, and I'd looked at the list and were like, they're much of a muchness. And then it came down to, I think, yeah. it came down to, I think, you know, it's like, what arm, what, what nation have you played the least? And he went British, and which left me German. Um, I've played a lot of Germany, so I was quite comfortable with all the tools that they had. Um, and we played to the, you know, a great draw. It was a, I, w- I had the win on turn six, and then it's random game length, and we got a turn seven, and he managed to pull the drawback, uh, which was, you know, a great move on his part. Um, I can't deny him that. Uh, the second round, I was playing an Aberdonian, a guy called Tom Howley. Uh, Tom is a, Tom's both historical and competitive, um, depending on which hat he wears. Uh, extremely canny gamer, old in the tooth gamer as well. Don't know if Tom will listen to this, but somebody might tell him. Uh, we ended up replaying a little miniature um, Battle of Bastogne. Uh, you know, so for the non-initiated, sort of that's, that's a, a battle in France. The town of Bastogne, it was um, 101st Airborne were trapped, surrounded uh, by Germans, uh, and it was a very harsh winter at that point. So we got to replay an element of that, so we had to capture a crossroads, and it was a winter table with a winter uh, German SS army facing off against uh, a mixture of um, regular... American and American Airborne units. And again, you know, we're both looking at the lists. And uh, I think I said the same thing to Tom. Um, but Tom, Tom's a clever guy. He's played a lot of Americans before, so he went for the Americans. Again, I was comfortable, you know, playing the Germans again. I wasn't, I wasn't upset because I wasn't playing anything new. I was happy playing Germany because there was lots of different units that I'd never used before. Um, and we played that one out, and I don't know how, but I wiped the floor with Tom. It was, it was. Turn one was pretty close. Turn two, it started to edge to me, uh, in terms of you know the weapons fired and the pins and the units getting removed, and then it was just this avalanche from turn three onwards, and I was in the driving seat from the get go of of turns three, four, and five. Um, we didn't play a turn six because the game was done. And I know that Tom didn't feel hard done by. Um, you know, he, he, he can accept that I'm a really good gamer. Uh, but I'm just not sure. You know when you want to analyse a game and you want to understand why did I win? Because mm. I, I didn't see any mistakes from Tom. You know, he played aggressive, he played cagey when he needed to. He took a, you know, he threw a few Hail Marys that didn't come off, but the repercussions weren't weren't that bad um, I think the only real thing I could take away from that game was that I was very patient turns one and turn two uh, instead of trying to overreach I just consolidated some of the units that had taken damage um, and then chose, chose my targets cleverly cleverly? well prior, I prioritised my targets well mm-hmm. um, but no, that was a really Really enjoyable game, um, even though it was a bit of a landslide victory to myself. Uh, and then round three was a gentleman whose name I have now forgotten. 
um, but I hadn't played him before. But he, you know, he knew his game, and we were playing on a, a South Pacific table. So I had uh, it was U.S. Marines versus a Japanese sort of uh, the, the term is bamboo horde. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, towards towards the end of World War Two, the Japanese were struggling for equipment and um, trained troops. So they were literally, you know, had Japanese civilians when they were getting towards the home islands, uh, you know, running out there with sharpened bamboo sticks, bamboo spear fighters, as they were called. Uh, my mm-hmm. opponent, when we got to the table, uh, my opponent pretty firm that he wanted to play Japanese because he hadn't used Japanese before and he was interested in them as an army and I I had to accept that um, that left me the US Marines and I you know sad and a, not sad for him but in a, a bit of a shame for him that my experience with the US is extremely good and mm-hmm. you know outside of that event, the competitive competitive circuit, uh, all competitive players practice against fighting against Japanese bamboo hordes because they are very popular and they're very good. So I've got a huge experience facing off against them. Um, so I knew what they can do and I knew what you needed to do to counter them. Uh, that game was going to be tough for them. But it was made even tougher by the absolute shit hot dice rolls I was making. Like my dice were on absolute fire. Uh, you know the the Americans have every army has access to a, an air observer. You know they can call in an airstrike once per game on a target unit and just blow the fuck out of it. Um, All right, yeah, really, really quite powerful. But the issue is, you know, there's a bit of a historical rule in there in that if you're um if you roll poorly you might get a rookie pilot and he'll actually target a friendly unit uh, and it happens more often than you would think a special rule for the americans is that if you buy one air observer they can call in two airstrikes so most people just look at it it's like well that's you know two opportunities to get the shit kicked out you by your own your own airstrike what actually happened was my air observer was amazing and you know radioed up two absolutely lethal airstrikes uh, on turns uh, two and four and they came in on on time and on target and just yep it was a uh, it was tough work for him for my opponent but again though that's one of the reasons the Angus War Games Club put that on was so that it was um, it was an open event friendly for beginners because the armies were already fixed. So there was no army that yeah. was, you know, meta gamed or net listed or you know um, had been practiced to the nth degree by the player. And it was also laid down as a challenge for the experienced players to say, "How good actually are you at the game?" Not just that you know building a list and practicing a list. How good are you at actually playing bolt action? So I was really happy to walk away with uh, two wins and a draw for the event. Um, and because it wasn't a competitive event, I wasn't focused on the scoring aspect of it. I just wanted to play the games, win, lose or draw, and you know, 
of some companionship within the community. Uh, so I ended up off. I wasn't. I didn't end up on the podium. Uh, the winner won all three of his games, and you no know, congratulations to him. Fair play. Uh, and then the players that finished second and third, they also had two wins and a draw. So, you know, however the organizer splits, um, you know, I'm I'm not fully aware, but I ultimately don't care because uh, that's not what the event was about for me. Um, and on the flip side of that, though, there were no prizes. Uh, they raffled off all their prize support to help support their club, which I think is a you know it's a good it's a good enough cause. Um, yeah. And and I walked away with like fifty quid worth of stuff anyway from a raffle. So you know I got a big tank and I got a truck. Uh, my name came out the hat for a few other. Excuse me for a few other prizes. And I just threw them back in at that point because you know I didn't, I didn't feel like it would be appropriate to take anything more than that. So I was, uh, I was really happy to prove to myself mentally that I can play bolt action. I was, I was quite chuffed with myself, and I drove home very happy. I think uh, you've you've kind of hit on a couple of interesting points for that one because uh, it does kind of really chuck. Uh, sort of all their hands out of their comfort zones, mm. uh, having somebody build a, a list that you're not, you're not, you're not going to see the lists before the the game. No, no way. Um, I have no idea. And then, so you've got no way of knowing whether it's something you're comfortable playing. So it mm-hmm. does really kind of open up to uh, people like having to draw on their wider experience or their just their tactical experience of the game. Um, yep. By the same token, like you said, it's quite beginner friendly because they don't have to go through the the rigmarole of meta listing it or trying to meta list something, and it's an opportunity to try out new armies as well. So no, that's that's a really yeah. cool setup for me. I never got the chance to try out any new armies, but I got the chance to try out buckets of new units for the armies I've already got experience with. Yeah, um, that's that's what was enjoyable for me. You know, I'm playing a German army. Uh, the Winter Bastone game, and I had a veteran Stug Four. I don't even own one of those, uh, let alone would I ever take it as a veteran, which is a very expensive unit. Um, I also had a veteran um, Pack Forty anti-tank gun in that same army. I own a Pack Forty, and I've used it once in a friendly game, uh, and it got destroyed while it was still hooked up to its um, horse toe, bringing it on the on, onto the battlefield. So. So in that game alone, I got to use some new units. Uh, the game when I played the US Marine Corps, uh, you know, gamers will be familiar with the term min-max. You know, minimum unit size for maximum effectiveness. Uh, well, in this yeah. army, <laughs> the guy that wrote the army list, I had these massive, like, 13-man infantry units of marines running about and that's enormous and if you were met again not met if you were in a competitive sense you would split that unit into two and have a unit of seven and a unit of eight uh, you know to get more order dice to get more you know units on the board but no no i'm having to negotiate this massive 13 americans with rifles and bars just sprouting out everywhere but it was um it was a good it was a good enjoyable challenge um, and as I said, having two wins and a draw 
that's what I would expect of myself a, a full blown, you know, competitive bolt action one day event. So I'm I'm really happy and had a lot of fun and got to sort of meet a few of the um newer players that I've been in touch with over the past sort of year or two. Um then after that I think it was the weekend after that I got to do a little bit more of my uh, community building um, at Common Ground Games in Stirling. I'm sure I've said in the past every sort of five to six weeks I try and have a little community day to get folk together. Uh, and yeah. I got to, got to play a game against a newer player again. Um, oh, I'm so sorry mate, I've forgotten your name. We're going to go with Andrew or Adam, either yeah. one. Um, but he had uh, a US a US list um, that he had been working on over COVID and that sort of thing. So he wanted to try it out. And um, again, he was running units that I'd never seen before, which was enjoyable. And uh, and this, and I I took a German army uh, with my one of my big Tiger One tanks again just for the. The enjoyment aspect of having a big tank on the board, and it was a mm-hmm. friendly, a friendly game just to make sure he's got the rules down. You know, confidence um, at the tabletop, and confidence. You know, getting out into the community and meeting and meeting people for the first time. And he had me on the ropes, like from turn one, turn two, turn three. Uh, you know, he was making all the right decisions. His dice rolls were good, and I'm sitting back. I'm like. Oh, this is really cool. He's he's enjoying himself. He's you know, I'm not just rolling over and playing dead. He's actually bringing the game to me and um, and making it happen. And what I had mentioned earlier about the American Air Observer, <laughs> fuck, poor guy. The first airstrike he called in, he rolled a one. It was a rookie pilot, so I get to target one of his units and then you know roll through the process of destroying yeah. it of destroying it. And he's like, oh, oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's a bit of a shame. I'm like, hey, mate, look, it happens. It's, you know, one of those things. Uh, two turns later, fucking hell, doesn't he roll another one for another rookie pilot? And like, you've <laughs> got to be joking. Um, so the next, the next aircraft rocked up, decimated another one of his units. Um, and, and that's the sort of stuff. I can't control that. So, uh, so, his his two airstrikes won the game for me. They they brought me back from the brink of defeat. Um, so it was very thematic in that sense. Yeah. Um, but the important thing was he had a good time. And he bought a ticket for my bolt action event I'm running in August called the Megatron 3000. Which we'll, we'll talk about after we do our coaches and all our, all our other sections. So. Okay. Good gaming, mate. It was good fun. Yeah, that sounds like a, a kind of good uh, a good month of gaming. Um, really was. Yeah, both of us seem to have, have managed to get some good games in with people and stuff, which is great. Yep. Great. So, next section is what's on the table. So I guess we we cover, first of all, we're covering what we've been painting. Mm-hmm. And then we get into the money, money, monies, sort of neck of the woods. Well, um, you should talk because yeah. I've I've just been dribbling on a, quite a bit, so the the listeners might be a bit tired of hearing me at the moment. 
Yeah, so as far as painting goes, I don't, I've painted a few things. Not I've not painted masses of stuff because uh, I had COVID uh, between us recording last and now, uh, which wasn't a fun experience. Um, and that knocked me out for a, like a, a week and a half. But I did, I finished three of the um, uh, Nurgle champions for my old Hammer army. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of painting the actual miniatures, I need to I wait until I've got the whole unit of seven ready so I, before I do the bases all together. Um, and they've come out fine. Um, I painted a feculent Gnarl Maw, which is a Nurgly tree thing for the game that we played. I uh, played with Hipster Potter. Um, and a couple of bits of additional bits of scenery for that game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I knocked all those. Uh, I knocked those three things, either little three little bits of scenery plus the Narlma, uh, out pretty quickly actually, and they've they've come out pretty good. Um, I'm quite happy with uh, where they are. Um, I, I might go back in and do a few bits on the Narlma just to kind of uh, create a little bit of additional contrast on the tentacles. But other than that, um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much me for the painting side of things. Right. Um, from memory, from memory, then we, I had a little commission of ten German Panzer Grenadier infantry for bolt action to do. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember you saying. I got them all done, boxed off, and sent back to the client. And a weird quirk of fate, though, uh, he isn't back until very late in July, so they're going to be sitting at home waiting for him. So I don't know if he likes them yet, but he's paid me, which is always nice. Um, mm-hmm. But as I intimated that if he likes them, then that's a bigger commission that will come my way in the future. Uh, this Black Orc team, which seems to be going on forever, uh, all the leather's done, the armor's done, the skin's done. It's just details, little details. Yeah. It's little details and weathering, and then they're done. Um, so it's super close, just... Uh... You know, as as we've said before, it's like twenty percent of the model takes eighty percent of the time. It's just like, ah. aye. It's, you know, I want to see them done because they're going to look so cool, and the client's going to like them. And then he'll give me money, and then I'll have money, 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 um, money, money. And yeah. I, I finished building the the high elf team from Starfleet Miniatures, which I think I mentioned last time. Um, yes. I need to I need to give them a bit more attention. I'm sure. What's his fucking name now? Dundee. Uh, Marky Mark, but we'll still call him McNugget. McNugget, uh, exactly. Because yeah. um, I know that McNugget needs them to go to Malta for Eurobowl. That's right. Um, and That's McNugget, I know you listen to this podcast. You will have them for Eurobowl and they will look shit hot, mate. So have no fear. I could, um, I could creatively edit that so that it just says uh, they will look shit. You 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 won't have them from uh, <laughs> for uh, from Malta, and they will look shit. <laughs> and you will pay me, <laughs> and you will still pay me. Yeah, I could yeah. copy that. Uh, copy that intro. Yeah, that, that sounds like a, a bit of effort more yep. than I tend to give uh, editing the podcast. Yep. So yeah, let's, I'll I'll leave that one out. Let's let's not bother with that. But I've I've tried to keep it focused um, on on just. Those two projects at the moment. I don't want to split my time. 
even though I yeah. have, I've got so many other ideas that I need to get out of my head um, and get working on. But, uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, podcasts, a couple of podcasts ago, because the bulk of my personal bolt action projects are done for the, for the year. Um, yeah. I, I've got armies that I can play with. You know, I, I need to add a few little models here and there, but nothing that's going to be, uh, nothing that's going to be world ending. So now it's the money talk. <laughs> money talk. Uh, oh dear. So are you? Well, I have spent money this month. Um, yeah. Some of it to make me feel better. Uh, some of it because uh, I needed to, you know, expand a little bit in that area. So, um, you do you have a figure in mind for me? For you, um, oh dear, eighty-five quid. You are almost there, but slightly higher. So am I slightly higher, or are you, you slightly no, higher? You need to go slightly higher to get to my figure. I need to go slightly higher. Okay, 91. Just a smidge higher for your third and last guess. 93. You could have just said 100, mate. I, went, I spent 100 pounds. On the nose? Dead on 100? Yeah, it was dead on 100. Um, is, is, is 91 to 100 a smidge? Um, you're pretty close. Mate, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. You got there. <laughs> That's, um, that's, uh, yep. that's, that's a decent spend from you. Yeah, well, it, it's, you know, I've been keeping it, um, uh, what do you call it? I've been keeping a tight budget recently. Um, I've, I have had a little bit of money coming in, hobby-wise, and I just wanted to get that good feeling of, of spending money again. So two expenditures I made. One was to a scenery company called Micro Art Studio. They are based, okay. They're based through in Poland, and they make um, pre-painted, well, they make quite a lot of different terrain pieces, but the ones I went for um, were pre-painted MDF, 28mm World War II scenery, you know, as you'd expect from bolt mm -hmm. action. And one of the reasons I went to them was because they were giving me a sponsorship package or Megatron 3000, which again, I'll talk about later on. And they said that, look, we'll, um, we'll give you a sponsorship package, but the postage is X. Um, we'll also offer you 20% off our full range. So if you make a purchase up to a particular value, then the postage will become free. And as I, well, you know, I, I spoke to, you know, some people in the local, and said, look, I'm going to place an order. You guys want to get in on this, um, you know, because they're going to be a sponsor, let's show our support, etc., etc. Um, nobody got in on it. It was like, well, whatever. Uh, so I ordered a one that they've got like a bundle set for a, um, a little sort of Western European petrol station, which looked really cool. Um, it's something that I've never seen on the battlefield before. You know, you always fight over airfields or bunkers or crossroads and there's burned out villages but then I thought how cool would it be like just a little rural French um, petrol station uh, and it looked really good so I ordered that and that 
exceeded, you know, by quite a distance the threshold they had for the postage to be included. So that arrived, um, and they've been yeah. they, their price support has been amazing. You know, the stuff they added in as well um, on top of the order was really really cool. And then the next person I purchased from it was Scenery again, and it was from Emperor Toad's Emporium. Uh, Not familiar with that one. No, he pops up. He's got an eBay store, and he pops up on Facebook quite a bit for me. He does sort of historical um, scenery. Um, but what he had was he was doing like a bit of a flash sale on um, walls, hedges, and fences. So effectively, scatter terrain. And um, he was doing like a 20 quid bundle, including postage. For you know a bunch of sort of hedges, walls, and fences. Yeah, and it's the sort of stuff that's super easy to make if you've got the resources and the materials on hand. Um, and I don't have the resources and material on hand, so to give somebody twenty quid to get sixteen pieces of of scattered terrain, I can put a guy alongside him. You know, little fields and hedgerows and sort of lined roads and stuff. It's like, yeah, take my twenty quid. You know, he's been a, a good deal on. Um, you know, even if it comes in, it's you know, I don't know what the quality is like. I've never bought his stuff, but even if it's a little bit of a, on the lower quality side, um, yeah, I've I've got the I've got the time to improve it. You know, I can work from something up to something. But um, so no, I look, it was. You know, scenery. It's important. You need it to play your games. And I wanted to upgrade my collection uh, on the off chance that I need to bring a few tables to to the event that I'm going that I'm organising in in August. Yeah, no, that seems like a, a good expenditure. Yep. Uh, Whereas you, value. you Phil, oh my God, have forever frivolously spent money this year, this month, I believe. So. Ah, oh, fuck me! Yeah, on you go, Vic. Uh, it's it's I, a big. I've spent I've spent a fair bit. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? I've been watching you. I've been watching some of the stuff. I think I'm going to go uh-huh. way big and go two hundred and seventy pounds. Oh, close, but uh, it's less. Two, four, five. A tiny bit more, a smidge more. Two, five, two. Uh, just a little bit more than that. It's a uh, two two hundred and fifty-five. Man, man alive! I'm going to one of those. I'm going to have to mute myself while I have a drink. While you tell us what you've done, <laughs> a swift drink. Um, yeah, it's been one of those months where like a bunch of things have uh, appeared um, on eBay at the same time, um, and also uh, a few fortuitous purchases as well. So I got um, a while back. Uh, Johnny from uh, Double Skulls got me the um, Lost in the Damned reprint um, from uh, Warhammer World when it was out uh, in stock. Um, but I missed out on the Slaves to Darkness uh, reprint, um, and I was uh, speaking to. I can't remember who it was on um uh on Twitter uh and they told me that it would uh, they were getting a, a new stock of the slaves to darkness in so I put out a call on Twitter 
um asking like is, is there anybody kicking around uh there um would be able to pick me one up uh obviously pay them for it um and um adam archer uh who listens to the podcast as well um dropped me a message saying he would and he did and i had i, I now have both of those which is great that was greatly appreciated um call outs on on twitter make uh make things happen um on top of that um so like that's my favorite era of warhammer fantasy um so I've been keeping an eye on getting the third edition uh, fantasy rules. Um, and I managed to get a copy of those for uh, just over 35 quid. No, no, that's not true. They were 50 quid, uh, which is around about what I'd expect to pay for that in decent condition, which which this is. Um. On top of I and I'm a pretty much a, I'm a completist, so on top of that, I've been keeping an eye out on availability of the, the Warhammer Siege rulebook from third edition and the Warhammer Armies book. Oh yeah. From third edition. And I managed to get both of those um for quite a lot less than they normally go for, actually. The Siege one I got for twenty nine quid and the Armies one I got for thirty seven. So like that's me got the full rules package for third edition, which is kind of the era of fantasy I I want to play, um with my old old hammer uh, army. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of me got everything I want for that. Um, on top of that though, what, what other shit did I buy? Oh, so like they did a made to order um on Games Workshop of some of the older Skaven stuff. And uh, I wanted a few things like I've got a little chaos chaos dwarf contingent for my old hammer army, and I wanted a a little skaven contingent as well uh, down the sort of uh, pestilence kind of route. Um, so I picked up the um, vermin lord and uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Nerglitch or whatever it is, the fat clans pestilence. Uh, uh lord on the big rat um so i picked up those two that was about they were 50 quid between the two of them and i also bought a um deep cut uh studios uh mat uh neoprene mat for playing age of sigmar warhammer 40k whatever on as well mm-hmm. and that was 50 quid but um which one did you get what what style uh, muddy field sort of style, uh, cool. sort of fits in with the basing of my Nurgle stuff and uh, all my sort of other things. So yeah, I spent a lot of money, but it's all stuff I want. I was going to say, are <laughs> are you happy? <laughs> yes. Then, then, uh, then like, money bought you happiness. Exactly. Like sometimes people say that money doesn't buy you happiness, but I can categorically say in this case it, it actually has. Um, I'm I'm looking for. I, I really enjoy flicking through those uh, old books. You know, like uh, the Slaves to Darkness and um, Lost of the Damned books are great. I always wanted them when I was a kid, and like like most things, uh, when you're a kid, you can't afford them. Yep. Um. So I mean, I I got them both for 
like 40 quid each or whatever they were uh reprint price which is on the pricey side for a book but they are lovely books and um i they've got so much in them like across the two of them uh for all the chaos uh stuff um and the warhammer armies book's great as well um just a, a good resource for list building and and things so yeah i'm quite i'm quite happy with uh, with all the book purchases i don't normally buy many like physical books these days a mm -hmm. lot of the time i buy um just the pdfs um but i think of the older stuff i prefer having a book uh i do have uh, well i have got a couple of those uh, books i purchased in pdf form uh but just having the physical books nicer i think on the older stuff especially um, if it's old, yeah. if it's old school book you know old school rules um yeah you want to have that old school feel of a, a book beside you on the table yeah I, I know gordon will play um third with me as well um and i think um potter's pulling together a, a forest goblin army yep. uh, of old hammer stuff as well um like i think like say gordon's got like a bunch of armies like high elves and all sorts um so I think uh, I'll not struggle for games a third as well. I would say as well for me, um, you know, the three D printer that I am threatening to open out of his box one day soon. <laughs> um, you know, the Kingdoms of Mercia Bretonian Kickstarter PDM the SDL yeah. files I've got, uh, and I've also got my eye on um, I think it's Highland Miniatures. They've got an un yes, yeah. they've got an undead. Uh, STL bundle kicking mm -hmm. around. Um, those, when it comes to Warhammer Fantasy, those two armies, you know, Bretonians and Undead, uh, or Vampire Counts as they then evolved into, mm -hmm. um, they always get the right imagery for me. You know, they always get me, you know, excited, interested. Um, so those are two armies I'll be printing. Um, and again, you know, the old world when it comes out in the future and going back to play previous editions of, of fantasy battles so you know i'll yeah i'll definitely join you on that trail um at some point in the future the old hammer army that i'm i'm building I, i've got like although i'm I, I would intend to kind of play some third edition with it i i would be quite i would quite happily use that for old world when it surfaces and that mm -hmm. was the kind of intent behind that as well because I know Gordon's going to be super interested. In it. I know you'd mentioned, uh, yeah. like, um, you're interested in it too. So hopefully, um, hopefully, what we've got will be playable across all of those. Uh, so we can have a, a good number of battles on that front too. I think that yeah. that simply concludes all the hobby chat for this monies. podcast and monies. Um, and now it's time to cruise straight into Rookie Coaches, wouldn't you say? It is indeed. And I believe it is my turn to read out the team as well. Is it really? Uh, yeah. That sucks for is you. It? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's me, mate. Got... What did we do last time? Undead? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say it's me. I'm, I'm actually going to say I want to do it. You want to do it? All right, right. I'm not going to stop you. So, rookie coaches, welcome back to your section. And um, you know, as you're all aware, that myself and Phil 
every episode we have a team. Uh, sorry, we have a yeah a team that we talk about, and we put together a league team with um, thousand gold coins or TV, whatever sort of currency you like to speak in, and then we also mm-hmm. put together a tournament list, which we always base at the moment off of the NAF Championships uh, 2022 pack, which gives you um, one one five zero TV or gold coins, depending on what you want to do. Uh, and six skills and one double that you can assign. Um, but before we get into that... Six primary and one secondary, yeah. What was that, sorry, Phil? Five? Six, six primary skills oh, yeah. and one secondary. Ah, oh, dear. There's the old, the old... I always forget. I always forget doubles and, uh, and singles. Yep. yep. Normals. The old school always coming out there. Um, but, but before we talk to you about those... Uh, those rosters, which we obviously keep secret from each other until we present them here in this podcast, uh, I lovingly get the chance to read out the team and the positionals. So, for those with the rulebook on hand reading along at home, you're on a page 117, Imperial Nobility Teams. So the first positional is 0-12, Imperial Retainer Lineman, they cost 45,000, movement 6. Strength 3, Agility 4+, Passing 4+, Armor 8+, and they start with Fend. Primary primary access is General, Secondary access is Agility and Strength. Next up are 0-2 Imperial Throwers. They are 75,000 gold pieces each. Movement 6, Strength 3, Agility 3+, Passing 3+, Armor 9 plus, and they start with pass and running pass. Throwers have got primary access to general and passing, and secondary access to agility and strength. Next up is 0 to 2 Noble Blitzers. They're 105,000 gold pieces each. Movement 7, strength 3, agility 3 plus, passing 4 plus, armor 9 plus. And they start with block and catch. Primary access is agility and general. Secondary access is passing and strength. Then 0 to 4 bodyguards, 90,000 gold pieces each. Movement 6, strength 3, arm, uh, agility 3 plus, passing 5 plus, armor 9 plus. They come with stand firm and wrestle. Primary access is general and strength. Secondary access is agility. And then 0 to 1 Ogre, 140,000 gold pieces, movement 5, strength 5, agility 4 plus, passing 5 plus, armor 10 plus. And then it's the usual uh, Ogre skills and traits of Bonehead, Loner 4 plus, Mighty Blow plus 1, Thick Skull and Throw Teammate. Primary access is strength, secondary access is agility and general. Team rerolls. 70,000 gold pieces each. Special rules is for them Old World Classic and of course they get access to an apothecary and Games Workshop believe they are tier 2. I need a drink. Yeah. I need a drink after you know saying all those words. You know what? I've just noticed and it's something that annoys me. Like They haven't gone in an obvious uh, route for Deciding the um, the sequence of players 
in the team list. Now, most people would think this is just me rambling because you're having a drink. Uh, but most people, most people would think, right? So there's a couple of ways around the, uh, this that you can go. You could either order them by cost, or you could order them by um, the quantity. So like the the biggest quantity goes at one end and the the lowest at the other. I'm just randomly kind of flicking through the book at the moment, and this is one of the teams. There are a few that seem to follow logical uh, progression. This one's all over the place. You've got 0 to 12, 0 to 2, 0 to 2, 0 to 4, 0 to 1. And then you've got 45k, 75k, 105k, 90k, 140k. Like, pick a fucking lane. Like, just, <laughs> just go, in, Phil, go in one thing. Phil, if you're, if you're in that headspace, don't, well, go and look at page 116, the human team. I know, I know. It's it's even worse. Yep. It's 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 batshit crazy. I I just I, I don't get it. But yet again, you've got halflings, which are zero to sixteen, zero to two, zero to two, zero to two, but are thirty, fifty, fifty five, hundred twenty. Perfect. Makes perfect sense. Reads really nicely. <sighs> and Elvin Union, Elvin Union are the same as well. They've got the sixty, seventy five, hundred, hundred and fifteen. Okay, coaches, um, uh, I, oh my God. I don't know what Phil's issue is tonight, but for sure <laughs> we can build a bridge and present to you our, our first rosters. <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to go through mine, um, just to take take the heat off my, uh, me talking about these visually yeah, so, displeasing so uh, let's, rosters? Let's talk league first, yeah? Okay, yeah. Uh, right. right. Are you, can you, so, can you talk about this, Phil? Are you okay? <laughs> yes. So I've gone two blitzers, um, three bodyguards, one thrower, five retainers, three rerolls, and one dedicated fan for TV 1000 on the nose. Hmm. I decided I wanted three rerolls with this team. Wow. Well, Phil, you're going to be stunned by this one, uh, as, as are the rookie coaches. I've gone for one ogre, two blitzers, right. two throwers, okay. two bodyguards, four retainers, and two rerolls. Holy shit, it's a turntable. It's a turntable, motherfuckers. I have gone back on everything I usually say about three rerolls, and I'm willing to risk it for a biscuit with the nobles on two. <laughs> and you didn't take an ogre, did you? No. Wow. No. We're we're through no. the looking glass, people. We are through the looking glass. Wow. I'm not entirely sure what's happened to you. And it's, uh, it's it's the tables have been turned for sure. Well, let's I, let's. I don't know why. On you go. Yeah. You, you talk first, Phil. You talk first. Like, the, there's no part of me that would take an ogre to start with. I don't think in a league team, but I would have considered dropping a reroll and changing um, a retainer into a, a bodyguard. Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe as well. Yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah, I think um I think I would have been inclined to to kind of I, I want bodyguards are great, 
Yeah, and I'll we'll discuss that why uh, why I guess uh, as we go on. But yeah, I I kind of felt like I wanted three rerolls in this one. I don't know why though, because there's they, they've actually come with some decent skills to start with. That's um, that's the exact reason why I didn't feel the need to go for three rerolls because they're packing so yeah. many skills. I mean, you look at the combination the the blitzers and the throwers. You know, one's got pass, one's got catch. Okay then, yeah. <laughs> you two guy, you guys are working together, which is why I started with two blitzers and two throwers. They are going to do the. That's where the touchdowns are coming from. They cannot come from anywhere else. I looked at my sort of line of scrimmage, uh, with the ogre and the two bodyguards. So. You know, the rookie coaches know that we usually start talking skills now, but I can mighty blow. Um, and when you get to the bodyguards, they've got general and strength in their primary access. And that's where I would be. Yeah. That's where I would be looking to go. And it's something you always say, Phil, and it's true. It, it depends on the makeup of your league. Of course, if, yeah. If, if it's a high armor leak, you'll be wanting to, or I will be wanting to put mighty blow on them pretty quick. Start putting that armor down and start getting the casualties racking up. If the armor is a bit of a mixture, I might look to put, um, be looking at block and guard. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I would not bother with block. I'd be looking at guard beforehand just to. To buff yeah. the people around them because with wrestle, I'm actually comfortable with wrestle um, in place of in place of block anyway. Um, you know, so that's that's where the bodyguards would come in. Those blitzers, they're they're going straight to dodge. Two blodgers, I mm -hmm. don't think you could you could do anything else in a league um, to get you that return. Because uh, they're they're going to be moving upfield. They're your fastest pieces. They're movement seven. They've got catch. They're um, you know their passing and agility is is strong. Uh, and then they're being backed up by two throwers, which should be feeding them. I know it seems odd that um, you know it's almost like we're talking a passing game here. But yeah, I think in my head I was looking at. They would be like a version of old school Skaven. There would be passes and handoffs, you know, combinations moving up the pitch uh, to eventually end up in the hands of one of the blitzers, who would then, you know, move the ball forward. I'm not sure what your what your thoughts are on that one. I think you're probably yeah. I think you're. I'd be very similar. I'd probably carry on um, on the. I'd probably carry on the throwers initially, mm -hmm. um, but I'd be looking to skill them up pretty quickly. Um, I, I kind of, largely, I'd probably want them to be picking up points because you're going to need block and sure hands on on those guys um, to hit, to save rerolls. I think. Um, and also leader as well. I mean, the way I'd looked at it for throwers was was block, sure hands, and leader mm -hmm. would be the three skills I'd be aiming to go and 
I think I'd go with block first because I'd want if I'm if I'm carrying the ball uh, with that guy, I'd want a bit of a bit more survivability. And I think yeah, you're right. Having the the, the blitzers, I mean, I would go dodge straight away um, on both of them. That would be my first choice. Um, and having the pass of the catch definitely has the synergy. Um, yeah, you can't ignore it. You know, you're paying you're paying the cost for it and the higher cost. So it's you know, if you're choosing to play Imperial Nobility, this is what you're this is what I believe you're picking you're choosing them to do. Um and yeah. to mention as well running pass, you know, so you can do your quick passes and still get movement afterwards. You know, that's you Yeah, to chuck a cage corner further on or yeah, what have that's you. Exact, uh, that's exactly yeah. it. So this is this is a movement based team, um which I think your build leans more towards whereas I I've gone down the the offensive and defensive side, you know, within the one team with the ogre, the two bodyguards yeah. picked up by some of the uh, the retainers. Um you, know, you look at all that stuff like Stand Firm and Fend all working together as well. But when when this version of Blood Bowl came out, this this team my interest, you know, obviously because it was new, um, but also because of all these different inbuilt combinations of of skills and traits to start with. So it's exciting. Yeah, I think it, I think for me, having played against them quite a few times now, they're infuriating. Like there's there's nothing worse than having fend, um, like the the imperial retainer alignment. Yeah, if they go down. They're probably going to get smooshed every now and again. Yeah. That fend's really annoying because it stops you from then gaining ground. Um, so much so that, like you know, how we were discussing bodyguard skills. Like, like my first two skills for them would alternate between guard and mighty blow, like you. Yep. I would even consider adding fend as a third skill. Um, further down the line for them. Um, because fend and stand firm and wrestle. Is really fucking annoying because <laughs> you can decide then whether you're staying where you are or whether you're moving. And if you've got guard as well, you can decide what where it is the better, what the better one to go with is. And wrestle allows you to go down on the spot and take them down. So it's it's actually it's difficult to play against that, you know, in terms of like what the fuck am I doing here? You know, how do I get rid of this guy? And they're not easy to take off the pitch. Um, yeah, I mean, good armor values. The, the good yeah, so they're they good value and I think like I, I don't I, I would probably like in a much longer league I would look at buying an ogre later on uh, but my first purchase would be an apple obviously you, know, you would kind of want to protect some of your better players my first player purchase would be that fourth um, uh, bodyguard because having four guys like that um, would be Irritate this fuck. Um, I would then kind of hope to have enough guys in the team. So the retainers, I don't think you mentioned skill progression on them at all. I never did. I would want, I would want to have one with dirty player because uh, I think they're great fouling pieces given the cost and movement and stuff. But I would probably cycle random skills on those guys and maybe keep guys that got wrestle as well because wrestle fends really fucking annoying in general. Um, even if you got one with uh, kick, I would keep that too. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, there's a, a bunch of good skills in there um, that would be useful. Um, like blocks, fine as well. Um, but yeah, it's kind of. Um, I would just rinse and repeat them. They're going to rinse and repeat themselves <laughs> uh, pretty easily uh, because they don't have the dodging ability that uh, the, they're four up to get away from things. So you're relying on Fend helping you in that situation and that you're not going to be finishing next to people quite uh, quite regularly. Um, but hopefully your armor kind of uh, stands the test of time. Yep. Yeah, I think I think these this team, like... They're not great straight out the bat. Uh, they're they're okay. Uh, they're a, a decent team, but they develop quite nicely uh, as time goes on. Yeah, a I few. Think. It's just like they're a they're a jigsaw puzzle, missing a few pieces to make to make it whole. As you said, once you fill those gaps with a few skills, and they really start to tighten up. And when I wrote this league roster, I wasn't hugely convinced, but after having verbalised my ideas and thoughts, then, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a bit more comfortable about it. Yeah, I think I would I would build one of the blitzers, past dodge, I would build one of the blitzers to be like a, a, a sweeper as well, get sort of tackle and strip ball on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other one, I wasn't sure what way to go down, because I kind of thought, like, Past dodge, you maybe maybe consider sure hands on one of them, uh, but you you've already got you're already looking at that on the on the throwers. It's a second skill or a third skill maybe. If you're if you were um, looking at sure hands on one of the blitzers, surely that's more about ball recovery on the offense yes. than than anything else. Yeah. Yes. So that that was that was my thought. You like you take them down with the with one of the blitzers and then you re- recover it. So it's, that's more, that would more come into play on the defensive side of things as opposed to the offensive, picking up the ball to carry it uh, in your drive sort of way. Um, so that was my thought process for putting sure hands on one of them. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I wasn't sure what else to chuck down them. Their route, like maybe sidestep is, is another good one. But uh, yeah, and I think with the ogre, I'd probably save for block. Oh yeah, it would have to be. Um, I don't think I would do anything else. And if it got extra skills on top of that, I think you're looking at guard, and then stand firm. Uh, to add to that annoying stand firm spam. Yep. Um, league team. Yeah, an interesting one. I, yeah, I mean, I still prefer mine over yours, just for the ogre, but. Yeah, good, good league team. I think I think people rookie coaches would enjoy using them. Yeah, I think I think rookie coaches would, it it would give it would be a little bit more challenging than some of the teams, mm. uh, and I think it's an interesting team for more experienced coaches as well, uh, but not a a completely unplayable team for new new so, players. And something to consider as well for the rookie coaches is that when you buy the core box. They are one of the teams you get in the box, so you know, the, mm-hmm. you've got access to the miniatures quite quite readily. Um, so no, I would I would recommend it. Look good. They look good. Look good on paper, yeah. and they they feel better now after having spoken to yourself about it. But that could all go yeah. horribly wrong when we talk about tournament 
tournament roster. Yes, Ooh. give me two, two seconds of the tournament roster. I want to check my maths. I'm, I'm a bit paranoid on that now after previous uh, attempts. Oh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was dark days. Yeah. Can't use it. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. So, right. Do, do you want me to go first again? Or? No, no, I'll go first. You go first. Here we go. So, as, as rookie coaches know, we do not talk about our rosters beforehand. <sighs> okay. Two blitzers. Two throwers, four bodyguard, four retainers, three rerolls, two coaches, two cheerleaders, one one five zero on the nose. Okay, I've gone different. Mm. Different. I've got uh, not wildly. I've gone uh, one ogre. Two blitzers, four bodyguards, five retainers, three rerolls, one one four five. But no thrower. I did not take throwers. No. The fuck are you doing, mate? That's crazy. I kinda didn't want to put them in the team because I couldn't put skills on them, but I can see why, given the discussion that we had previously about the league teams, why you. May have gone down that route. I can I can see that. Okay, well we are through the um, looking glass again because we have now flipped the coin and you've got the ogre. How many rerolls did you get? Three. Got the three. Okay. Um. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's it's not like us to be that far that that different on both our rosters. I mean, one roster for sure, but usually we're got some strong similarities. But. Mm-hmm. Um. So what have you gone with the skills? Skill wise, then? this is this is where it might throw you a bit as well. So one of the blitzers gets dodge. Cause yeah. Mm-hmm. I've given the other one of the other blitzer nerves of steel. Okay, well, there is synergy with that and catch yep. for yep. sure, yeah. Uh, one of the throwers gets block. The other mm-hmm. thrower gets sure hands. Two of the bodyguards get guard, and one of them gets mighty blow. And that is that is the seven skills. Ah, right, so you you didn't go with a double didn't, uh, with a didn't, didn't use skill. a secondary. Okay. Didn't didn't feel the need. Um, okay. So I've got I've got pieces that are very specific in their tasks, so they need to be in the right place at the right time. You know, so the uh, thrower with sure hands, he's scooping up the ball, doing what he needs to do. You know, if it's going to be a pass or a handoff to the other thrower, uh, who's got block. So as you said, ball carrier. Ball carrier's moving up. There'll be some sort of protective um, screen surrounding him. And then he's trying to feed that to either one of the blitzers. So either, you know, obviously the one with dodge, or you can place the guy that's got nerves of steel in a bit more of a dangerous position um, yeah. in that he'll ignore those tackle zones to, to accept that ball um, or if he needs to recover it at any point So, and then that line of scrimmage with the bodyguards you know, two guard uh, one with mighty blow and then the retainers will be bobbing around to, um, to feed 
feed on that 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 guard to get them some good blocks. That's my thinking, and then I've got the three the three rerolls in there, and that's predominantly in my mind to make up for the lack of block. Because I've only ever I've only given one one yes. block out as a skill. Um so the lack of block on the retain on the bodyguard. So when you're actually wanting to get players going down and not just wrestle them down. Okay. Yep. So I just I just kind of to go back on something I said earlier. So you you have used your secondary skill because uh, nerves of steel's a passing skill on the blitzer. Oh yeah, so it is. So it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you have. Uh, but yeah, no, no, I, I can see where you why you've gone with that route, um, and it and yeah, I can see how how that would work playing it like mm -hmm. that for sure. My my skills split was block on the ogre, um, dodge on one blitzer and sure hands on the mm -hmm. other, and then four guard on the bodyguard. Um, so yours is a bit yours is a bit more clear cut. Yeah, my my thought process was, I'm just going to run them as a running team. I'm just going to remove the passing aspect completely. The dodger with sure hands, uh, sorry, the blitzer with sure hands is going to be the ball carrier. The blitzer with dodge, uh, is the handoff if I need to make it a handoff because he he's got catch built in, and then he's got dodge for moving away from people or getting past people. Um, so. But otherwise, he's just uh, an, an option uh, to for a bit of mobility. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the the bodyguards, um, I just wanted to kind of have that guard, that mass guard spam. Yeah. Uh, with, and wrestle and stand firm. That makes sense. I did contemplate two guard, uh, two mighty blow, or, or three guard, one mighty blow, but I just thought, no, I think the way I'm going to run this, four guards, fine. Yeah. And then block made the ogre a little bit more reliable, and hopefully get some removals via that channel. Um, I've got twelve players, uh, which means I could do some fouling with the retainers if I wanted as well. Yeah, when I saw you, or um, when I heard you say the four guard, um, I thought that's very lizard man of you. Yeah, in terms of yeah, similar to the the the, the mass block. Yep. Um, I think. The the other thing I considered doing was dropping a retainer and going down to eleven players and changing that over into an Apo. But I think we've had this discussion before, but I don't think Apos are as strong in tournaments as they used to be, uh, because there's much more chance of you of the Apo failing into um an MNG uh, again mm -hmm. uh, or or worse than uh than getting you back into the dugout. Um because of the way the rules work now, so I think I think I would definitely have gone down the the twelve. I I don't think there's many teams unless I'm I've got cash to burn. I don't think there's many teams I would take an apple on over an extra player these days in tournaments. Yeah, and that was my theory on it as well. That's why I've got a a bench of twelve. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not okay. feeling the need. So, and good rosters. Yeah, I think they're different enough to represent different play styles mm -hmm. there. Like, clear. 
like a, a yeah i i could i could see me doing a hybrid of your roster and my roster in the uh the league setup cuz i i mean i reckon i could play with two rerolls on that team no problem yeah uh having played as many games as i have with teams with low rerolls um and then I could convert one of the retainers into another thrower or a bodyguard or what have you. Um with the ex- the excess cash. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I think it's uh it'd be interesting to see how these, these kind of rosters panned out. Yeah. Oh man, um well as as always, we hope that there's rookie coaches out there that might um pick these up and, you know, use them. Uh Use them in their local leagues, or maybe even take them to an event that you know roughly fits the skill set. So, you know, fingers fingers crossed, we might get some feedback on them directly from players that have used them. Yeah. So, what um, we always kind of look at uh, sort of winability with these in terms of how likely they are to to win a tournament. Mm-hmm. On a scale of zero to ten, with ten being like very likely, zero being uh, not likely at all. Uh, where where would these sit for you in in that? It's really hard to say. I think I think I would set them at six. Yeah, I I would say that's probably where I would go as well. And um, and, and it, it pains me a little bit to say it, but I I can't I can't justify it beyond that there are better teams out there to win tournaments with. That have a that have a yeah. clearer path. They've got a clearer path to victory. You know this from Owen Ross. It's not it's not full bash. It's not full running. Not full pass. It's not. It's got little bits of everything that need to work in synergy. That need to work well. And you know a good opponent across the table will have a look and go. You know all oh, that blitzer with nerves of steel. You need to go. Um. You know, if I expose the the thrower with sure hands, yeah, you need to go. And then, you know, once you start losing a few key pieces from this team, I don't think it's got the depth and the rest of the miniatures to to bring it back. So it's a six for me. Yeah, I think I I'd agree with that assessment. I think they're not a they're not a bad team. They're they're slightly better than. Um, fifty fifty percent likelihood of uh, winning a a tournament, uh, but yeah, I don't. I see them struggling against certain teams uh, where removals are a lot more likely. You know, I think. Um, so for example, what you you touched on a point you there as well. Like for me, like if if I lost both my blitzers in the first half, mm-hmm. who do I carry on? You know, <laughs> I could try. I could carry on a bodyguard. Uh, they've got the three plus uh, pickup, um, but like they don't have blocks, so that I'm hoping that the wrestle doesn't lose me the ball again. You know, so if things go bad, like I know I know what I would target if I was playing against them. Um, they kind of make things a little bit easier, uh, but yeah, I'd say a six is pretty accurate. And then. The next little journey is uh, to look at the star player availability because, again, 
we were putting together our tournament rosters, neither of us touched on, neither of us went and added any star players in. So I I did consider that as well, because I mean you could uh, uh, you couldn't get stars in the NAF uh, build. Keep forgetting that. But in terms of other tournaments of a similar uh, nature, um, if you dropped a reroll and uh, the ogre, you could take. So what's reroll seventy? So you get two hundred ten k to spend. Your options around that sort of price are Carla, and I don't think she gives you as much as the ogre and the reroll do. In all honesty, um, she, they they get quite a, a wide range of um, uh, star players. They get with the old world classic. They cover quite a, a good range. But for me, I'm not going to read read through all of them because you can go on Fumble or what have you uh, and have a look or in your books and shit. <laughs> uh, but I think I think the ones I would uh, I would consider taking depended on money availability. Um. So, uh, Thorson, uh, the the uh, barrel throwing guy from the Norse team. Oh yeah, he's badass. Uh, yeah, 170 is actually not too bad. Um, and then 220, you've got access to Mighty Zug as well. And I think he's got quite good synergy here. You know, like if uh, he's got options, I think he probably off- offers you uh, a good bit of removal potential versus uh, Carla maybe at 210. Although I'd consider her as well. Um, and then you've obviously got the likes of Griff at 280 and Ivar Ingmarsson or whatever his name is, uh, the other Norse star player at 245. They're both decent shouts too. And then Morg is a definite, if you've got 380k to spend uh, inducements-wise, Morg would be great, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I... Deep Root's a good one as well, potentially with the Mighty Blow plus two, although very slow, he would he would offer quite a good tar pit. Um and good removals there. But I mean, as usual, wouldn't touch slice of crack and crumble, but he couldn't see Grim Iron Jar or the White Dwarf getting much game time or helmet or Rumbelow or Frankenstein or Scrog or Barrack or Acorn. Yeah, I the Maybe if I had 80k to spend, I'd maybe consider Acorn. Uh, but then again, I'd probably be more than likely to buy a, a Bloodweiser keg yep. at 50 and then a, a, an assistant coach or something like that and spend it on Acorn. Yeah, they don't, they've got a good, a good breadth of stars. I think like there is maybe only half of them that you would actually take. But I'm I'm quite happy with the way you know we've spoken about the imperial nobility. Um, I was a little bit sceptical myself when I was drafting up our our rosters for it or my rosters for it. Um, yeah. But after having talked it out, I am surprised how different we were in our league and tournament rosters. As I said before, it's not usual for us, but. Um, I'm I'm happy that I never 
I haven't replicated the the sprint goal. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I I think both of our rosters are playable for mm-hmm. sure. Um, there's no kind of wild things in there this time. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I think I think there's there's some good options there for people to look at. Well, rookie coaches, send us some of your rosters in for the Imperial Nobility if you can. And I think the next section of our podcast is uh, very heavily bolt action related. I'm going to be talking about my uh, one day tournament that I'm holding in Sterling. So yeah, um, I was going to invite anybody to hang up now, but that's really sad. You should stay and listen, listen to this shit because I've been busy. <laughs> I've been busy. So yeah. what I have gone and done is I've organised a bolt action tournament one day, three games, and I've called it the Megatron 3000. And I don't know if I've talked about the name of the event before in this podcast, but I'm just, I just get tired of bolt action events being, you know, Operation Lightfoot or, you know, something military orientated. You know, that's, that seems to be the, the, the trend. Um, so I went with something totally different and I got it from... Have, I, have we spoken about this on the podcast before? Yeah, yes. right. So players know where I got it from, yeah. so I'm not going to bore you with the same, same chat again. But it's, it's really... It's really been well received by the Scottish community. I am holding this event at our local gaming store, or friendly local gaming store, Common Ground Games in Stirling. And the players pack I put together, it's 1,250 points. And the in bolt action, there are there are you know ways to put different ways to put your armies together. And the one way I've chosen them to do is by the theatre selectors. So a theatre selector is uh, it's like a snapshot of a of a historical battle. You know, so one example is there's a there's a theatre selector called um, D Day off the beaches. Uh, so in the British and Canadian sector, during D Day. As the Allied forces were getting trying to get off the beaches into France properly, uh, there are rules for what that force could look like. So there, the different tanks they can have, they they had access to, you know, and on 1944, the troops, the quality of the troops, etc., um, etc. Et so that's what players have got to work with. They they get to go through all the different rule books and find these theatre selectors. But what I've told the players is that once you buy your ticket and you select your theatre selector, then nobody else can pick that selector. So the same army will not crop up because there are theatre selectors out there that are really good. And some of them are just sort of, they're nice and historical, but they're not really competitive. So what that what that's done for the player base, it's made this mad drive for players to find their selector and sign up really quickly. So early ticket sales were really quick. Okay. In 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 bolt uh, in blood bowl terms, you know, imagine that at your tournament you only you were only going to allow three Norse teams. So once those three Norse teams were were purchased, and nobody else could use a Norse team at the event, um, that that sort of thing. All right. Okay. 
So that's what I've done for this event, uh, and it's been really well received because I've given players uh, lots of options. You know, they can they can take lots of lots of squads and models and toys that they they don't normally get to take, um, but there are controls in, within it uh, within the selectors. So um, I'm currently, as of today, sitting on twenty nine tickets out of thirty sold, which is fucking brilliant uh, yeah that's great I've got a spare man so if everybody turns up there will be 30 players at the event um, I'm trying to work on a few people to buy the final ticket which would be pretty cool if they could um, so that's that's really good on top of that though uh, I have got I have put together a, a really really trash hot sponsorship package and as it stands at the moment, every single player at the event will walk away with something. Uh, you know, if it's a box of, you know, if it's a, if a brand new box of miniatures, a truck, a blister pack with one model, um, first place, you know, the, the guy that wins the event will win an army box. You know, so that retails at like sort of 80 to 100 pounds. That's what they'll win um, alongside their trophy. And in order to do that, as I said, I've put together a sponsorship package and the number of sponsors that have come back with positive responses and sent me stuff. I record this podcast sitting in my hobby room uh, and I am, I am surrounded by boxes of stuff, bags of stuff. It's so absolutely ridiculous. Um, but those sponsors are, there's a company called First Core Miniatures, based in England. They've sent me bags and bags of metal miniatures that they design and cast themselves. Uh, Warlord Games, the guys that produce the, the, the rules for bolt action, they've sent me a prize support package, uh, including boxes of miniatures. A couple of their newer... Uh, tanks and armoured cars that they've just brought out recently and Warlord have also sent me uh, certificates so on top of the trophies that I've already organised they'll get certificates for first, second, third, best painted um, all that sort of stuff uh, Online retailer and this guy is really he's he's like the key sponsor uh, Weldon Tabletop War Games or WTW as he likes to refer to his company uh, run by a guy called Dan Cooper. He's put together an absolutely wicked sponsorship package that he sent to me. Uh, he he's provided the army box for first place. Uh, there's a oh, they do a they make tank troops. So it's a it's a one box set with three three tanks in it. There's a tank troop for second place. He's provided other boxes of miniatures for you know some of the other places. Uh, he also sent, there's a joke, there's a joke box set, kind of like a joke box set, but it's a box of farmyard animals. <laughs> you know, because the, the battlefields, the, the gaming tables, they like to look realistic as possible. But So he's dug, he's dug up this yeah. box of um, farmyard animals for last place, the guy that gets the wooden spoon. I'm just like, oh, mate, that's rocking. That's so cool. So that's Amazing. that's Weldon Tabletop War Games. 
in Anyscale Miniatures. It's a, a small company that 3D prints and designs miniatures. Um, so they've sent me two, two of their miniatures for prizes. Uh, one of the bigger companies called Rubicon. They are a big producer of plastic kits. And Rubicon have sent three, three plastic kits, uh, three tanks to support the event. And Rubicon are, you know, within the bolt action community, their, their plastic vehicles are amongst the best in the market. And they also do, uh, like sto storage, uh, extra crew, um, little bits of scenery, you know, extra detail to make your vehicles look unique. Um, which is which is really good. So Rubicon coming on board was excellent. Um, company out of Australia, Dice of War. You know, talking to the team over there uh, since Brexit, and you know, different trade deals have been done. They've seen their UK market dry up essentially, because postage and everything else has has been a real killer for them. Um, but Dice of War. Uh, still sent me two packs of dice and they I mean when you talk to Blood Bowl players about dice they've got hundreds, they've got all different designs but Dice of War make World War 2 dice with um, the unique army symbols and not just like British flags and Japanese flags but the symbols for the different army groups you know, the army group side for the Germans, Falschermjäger uh, you know the, the American Airborne symbols you know, so they've got really unique dice designs uh, and they sent me two sets which is just I think it's really special for them to you know to send it all the way from Australia to support a little tournament in Stirling in Scotland that's that's pretty special um, the next one is um, KO Designs and the team over at KO Designs do the dice bags you know that we draw all our order dice off and they've they're all handcrafted and they've sent me two of their handcrafted dice bags along, which is I'm just when I when I saw them arrive, you know, it's I feel like an old spinster when I say, Oh, the quality of the stitching was excellent, but it's like really durable product, um, really, really special stuff. Yeah. A company out of Poland, and I've mentioned them previously, MicroArt Studio. Uh have just a lot of scenery for not just World War Two but other other historical based games. So a lot of their stuff or the stuff I like is um laser cut MDF, but it's pre-painted laser cut MDF. And they've sent uh oh, mate, a whole bunch of stuff, you know bases, casualty tokens, templates for the game itself, and um, plus a couple of buildings. Um on top of the stuff that I ordered for myself, so it's really cool to hand out scenery as a prize, and that'll go towards the um, best table because I've had to obviously reach out to the community to provide scenery for the event to run, and this is part of the carrot for them is that you know if you if you supply a table's worth of scenery, um, I'm going to hold a raffle for you know this MicroArt Studio prize and also the next prize which has come from GamerMat EU uh, you know you mentioned Neoprene Mats, well these guys are another Neoprene Mat producer uh, and they sent they sent me mm -hmm. a 6 foot by 4 foot Neoprene Mat as a prize like, 
that's amazing. Um, and so I'll I'll have a raffle. So two two players that provide tables worth of scenery to the event are going to walk away with with you know some more stuff. Um, a local company called Alba Studios, based up in Aberdeen. They are a painting commission service, but they're also a 3D print um, store as well. So they, they carry a lot of licenses for uh, World War II and 28mm um, scenery. And Alba Studios is great that they're local and it's great that they're supporting my event. Um, they promised to provide a sponsorship package. I'm not quite sure what it's going to entail, um, but I'll find out on the day because they are uh, some of their employees are coming down to play in the game as well, which is you know you know they'll get the chance to hopefully not win their own prizes back. That'd be silly, um, but they'll definitely be have fun and represent themselves. And lastly, of the sponsors that have confirmed Goblin Gaming, you might be familiar with them. Another, yeah. yeah. Yep, Goblin Gaming is another another online retailer, and they provided me with two two vouchers with a, a dollar value on them, and be spent in their web store, because uh, they they carry a variety of different game systems, um, you know, so it's not you know our our players are playing bolt action, but I'm sure players that win these vouchers will you know spend them on something, uh, something in that sort of thing. It might not be related to bolt action, but. and support for this event, I you feel quite humble by it. And knowing that all the players that have attended um, are going to walk away with something, not just, you know, good memories and good games, um, but trophies and prizes. And and I, and I really hope it, it sort of, you know, it reinvigorates the bolt action community in Scotland some more. It's, um, I, I cannot thank them enough, especially Weldon Tabletop War Games. As I said, they've, they're like a linchpin in the, the sponsorship package, and Dan Cooper there has um, has really outdone himself. Uh, yep. I wish I was playing in this event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great. Um, Having all that prize support is great for the people attending. It's brilliant. Yeah, it adds value. I mean, and, and the great thing is, though, you know, I'd sold like 20 tickets already before I even announced I had a sponsor. Or there were going to be prizes, so there's the, this isn't the motivation for for a lot. Well, I would say this isn't motivation for the players to attend. They want to play good games with a good a good games a, a good player pack. Having these sponsors come on, it just adds to the excitement. And I've been you know, feeding feeding this into the community, stoking the fire, getting them excited. Um, you know, I've had plenty of them communicate with me privately about ideas they've got for armies and looking for advice and just saying, you know, and basically saying thank you and um, as I said, I'm I'm a bit gutted I'm not playing because like a couple of those couple of those one of those dice bags is really nice. I wouldn't mind winning that. Because I've got hundreds of models. I don't need more models. I want other other cool stuff. Um but no I'm excited and that's happening on August the twentieth. Um so that might be, well, that'll be just, we'll be recording another episode just before that, I think. Maybe? 
Uh, we normally record in the middle of the month, but we could always kind of push it. We're obviously late this month. We could always push it back a bit later in the month to capture that. We'll work something yeah. out, I'm sure. Yeah, but you know, I hope hope listeners that have stayed with us for that section. Um, I'll be posting on the two guys one dice cup Facebook page uh, links to all these sponsors, and so what I would really, I I would really appreciate it myself if you guys could go along. At the very least, sign up to a few of their newsletters, um, give their page a like, uh, you know, and maybe recommend it to some of your other wargaming friends that play bolt action um, and that might have an interest. Because it's it makes it makes it easier for next year. If somebody I want to bring these sponsors back that they've that that their you know contribution has has won them custom, um, which is really good. And, you know, maybe, you know, some of these aren't purely focused on Blood Bowl, but, you know, it'd be nice to see, you know, some more sponsors for some of our Blood Bowl events in Scotland um, come out of the woodwork as well, just to, you know, show some face in the community and, and show that community support. Um, but it's only worthwhile if we support them back. So, yeah, come on, two guys, one dice cup listeners. We should make an acronym for that. Chumps, oh <laughs> something like that. Um, well, well uh, that yeah. Everybody's got the ideas. Postcard it. Postcard it. But um, I, it would be really great if you could you could go along once I start posting out, guys. I'd really appreciate that. Um, well, far out, mate. I think that brings us to the end of our podcast. It does. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's endeavors for next month. What are you going to try and do? Oh Christ. Christ. We're going to finish a Black Orc team. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish a Black Orc team and successfully run a tournament. I've got a couple of things I could paint. Um, I'm trying to remain reasonably fluid on that at the moment. So we'll see. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Not sure if anything individual takes my fancy. Mm. Got a sloppity bile piper to paint. Um, and it's, I could make a start in a couple more of the Dargle champs. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we're going to paint this one. Yeah, look, wing it. Try and not spend two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh the new uh, Warcry box is calling me. Um, oh dear. It's got some models I would quite like in it. But, yeah, I'll see. Might be my birthday present to myself <laughs> next month. Well, <laughs> just like that. ladies and gentlemen, that does wrap up episode 28 of Two Guys, One Dice Cup. And I very much appreciate you all listening. I hope we get some feedback from you soon, good or bad. Take it easy, folks. Right. Goodbye. Good morning. See you later.